0: Welcome to Greater Alton Church, or as we say, the uh, Greater Alton Church Gymnasium. That's what we've turned it into. You've probably noticed that, and uh, we've got things kind of spread out a little bit for you this morning. Uh, we're right in the middle of March Madness, our tournament. Uh, Twelve different teams going head to head, and, and it's great teams like uh, you know, the as you see here displayed on the on the wall, the Survivors we watched them play yesterday, the Gorillas, um, and they do play like. Gorillas, I gotta admit. Uh, ask me later, ask me later what I mean by that. And then, then there's the Buckets. We got to see the Alton uh, High School, current high school team, they're in the playoffs, come and show up to play against the Buckets, which were the Alton team from three years ago. It was amazing. It was an amazing game. And of course, there's Gary Spurgeon. <laughs> And you say you mean that's the name of his team, yeah? Who's on his team? Gary Spurgeon. <laughs> Poor old Gary showed up. He goes, man, where's my team? Where's my team? And I said, well, Gary, I guess I could come out of the mothballs and play a little bit. So I, really, right on, right on. And so I'm, I'm out there playing. And, and then we had. Uh, uh, I think it was Charles McKenzie came out, you know. I got blood on me from him. I mean, we had a collision over here somewhere and I and so um that's what happens when old men play. They stumble over each other. It was a sight. It was a sight. And but uh then we had this one kid, a 13-year-old playing. Uh he was our ringer. He was he kept us in the game and uh we were playing the kingdom, am I right? And uh, that's Mike Denius' team. Uh, incredible. These guys, I'll tell you, it was just a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. And uh, the game was 83-81 to because our ringer kept us in the game. And uh, we, But uh, Gary Spurgeon, you know, what a team. Uh, so speaking of Gary Spurgeon's team, if you would like to volunteer and help play on Gary Spurgeon's team, they are looking for recruits as we speak. So see Gary and he'll um he'll get you signed up. I I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. He does not he doesn't have anybody. So, um, and we 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 don't want to forfeit. Um, as you notice today, we've got a different uh sermon series. Um, what I'm wanting to do is take a break from our acts uh covering acts in the auditorium. You'll still be covering in your small groups, but we're going to be looking at uh, some, some ideas and some principles, life principles, from uh, basketball. You know, right now, uh, you know, March Madness is on, on everybody's minds. Uh, you know, the, the term March Madness, uh, I always thought it was associated with college basketball. It originally had nothing to do with college basketball. It had everything to do with high school basketball right here in Illinois. Isn't that something? I thought that was cool. In the 30s, uh, Illinois basketball grew from a handful of teams to over 900 teams participating in in the tournament statewide. And because of that... A fellow began to to look at this and said, "How crazy it was! All these teams playing different size schools. This is before we were all sectioned off into little sections, and there were little bitty teams playing and big teams. Uh, I think Taylorville won a, 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 a championship during that time, and you've got Mount Vernon was undefeated. Uh, they've just a, just an hour and a half away. Mount Vernon, Illinois, won the state high school basketballs in 1952 and I believe in '53." Then there's a little town, I don't even I don't even know where it really is, only had ninety eight students and they won. Uh, also in the 50s. So, the, so this March Madness, when it was coined, uh, the, the name stuck. And, um, and from the excitement of basketball in the 40s and 50s, it spilled over into collegiate basketball. And today we have March Madness. It's a trademark used by CBS and others to describe the crazy things that happened, the upsets, the Cinderella stories, all that happening during college basketball. And so we've, we decided to have our own little madness here. Uh, Every Saturday, and it started at 9 o'clock yesterday morning. Uh, We ended our last game at 5 o'clock, and there's 12 teams in this. Uh, If you're playing in this tournament, would you stand up for a second? Just stand up so we can see. If you're playing in the tournament, stand up, please. There we go. All right, you can have a seat. I, I'm not going to ask how many of you call your own fouls to stand because nobody would stand. Do I sound bitter? Okay. But, um, but, I, but the reason I want to say that to you, did you notice just the the host of different people that are playing together? We've got, old, I, I was the second oldest person on the basketball court. Gary was first. I was right behind uh, by about three years, you know. And, um, and uh, and we had kids that were in junior high, and we had we had uh, uh, Jensen uh, Chestnuts playing, and his brother are playing, and they are scrappers. And the reason I bring this up, I'm not trying to to schmooze you here, okay? I'm not going to do a Donald Trump on you and try to lie to you here, okay? What I want to what did I say that? Did I say that? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you're voting for him, you know, too bad. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Well, I am going to say this to you. Okay, there's something unique about watching this tournament. There is something unique about watching this particular tournament. You say, well, what is it? How is it different than college basketball or high school basketball? You see a kid three foot two driving the lane on a guy six six. That's what you see, and that's what I watched. I saw. I watched two guys a little over three feet tall just be a menace. You know, like those gnats in July. They were, they, they drove this guy crazy. And I think they got into his head. They got into his game. And so I just want to say to you, if you, if you're interested, you don't have to watch all day. I was here all day. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I was only going to come for a few hours. It was just a, it was magical. We have a concession stand. It's real simple. Everything's a dollar. And, and, and uh, it's just a good time. We had scoreboards. If you can imagine the scoreboards up on the screen, they're up on the screen and it's got a buzzer. We had, Crazy kicking music, you know. You ready to rumble? You know, all that stuff going on. It was a blast. And so, if you'd like to come and watch, it's, I'm telling you, the Alton High, Alton High is playing in this tournament, guys, and you ought to come down and watch that at least. It was amazing to see, okay? Those guys were, they, they were truly were amazing. Truly were amazing. Um, And so what we're doing is we're going to take a break out of the book of Acts and kind of look at this uh, lessons we can get from basketball. Now, if you're ever saying, you know, some of you are not basketball fans, probably some of you are not even sports fans. You're going, oh, bro, this is, I don't know. I think I'll go church somewhere else during this series. Well, let me, can I just ask you to reconsider? The Bible, the Bible talks about sports and uses it to make spiritual, spiritual application. Let me show you a couple of them up on the screens here. This was first. This one's in 1 Corinthians 9. And what the Bible says is, Paul is giving this. He says, and look at all the sports references. He says, do, not, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. He, then he goes on and says, run in such a way as they get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, he's talking about the Olympic games, by the way. Anyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Someone says, what do we get if we win the tournament? You get bragging rights. That's about it. He goes, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. And look at he else he says. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. All these sports references, you notice that? He goes, "No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize." Now, Paul encourages a young fellow by the name of Timothy. And look what he says to Timothy here up on the screens in Second Timothy two: An athlete who takes part in a, in a contest must obey all the rules in order to win. And and he said, and he, by the way, he follows up with, "Think about these." think about these. Let them encourage you. And you can see their spiritual application. And this is just a couple of places. The Bible has several places that talk about running, competing, athleticism. And so we're calling this series Beyond the Baseline. Nathan's the one that coined this one. He said, call it Beyond the Baseline. I said, why would I want to call it that? He goes, because you're talking about how we're to live when we're off the court. You know, the baseline is the out-of-bounds line on the end there. And when you you get out, you're beyond the court. You're out beyond the baseline. And so he said, I think you ought to talk about what, what we ought to live, how we should live in a way uh, that pleases God after we leave our home court here. Every Sunday we leave. All of you, the buzzer's finally going to go off. The game's going to be over this morning. And you're all going to be going, we say in these funny prayers, separate ways, we say. Well, we are. We're going to be going to restaurants. We're going to be going home. We're going to be going to neighborhoods. Then we're going to go to work. And what we want to do is we want to make this series a little bit about that, about what do we do beyond the baseline? How do we live once we leave every Sunday and go on with the rest of our lives for the rest of the week? And so next week, Gary's going to talk about timeout. He's going to talk about why should we have a timeout. Well, what's what's the significance of a timeout in the kingdom of God? Alan's going to be speaking uh, two weeks from now. He's going to be talking about simply about uh, playing on the road. You know, there's, there's home court advantage, and then there's the way we live and the way we play on the road, the basketball teams. Well, how do we live on the road? And win. How do you, what's the winning strategy there of how we can succeed on the road? And then I'm going to wrap it up on Easter with, and I'm calling this sermon, uh, right now I'm calling it, at the buzzer. And I'm, what I mean by that is all these three remember these three point shots or these last second shots that, and the game totally goes crazy it's, if the outcome is different, well, the resurrection Jesus puts up at the buzzer, he puts a three pointer and sinks it, guys, and it gives us victory and that 's what we 're going to look at on Easter all right now today though, I want to talk about teams, the benefits of being on a team and when you think of a famous team, I mean think about that for a minute. And don't just call out your team. It may not be famous, but, but when you think of a famous team, what team comes to your mind? The Hoosiers, the, the Packers. I was thinking, I was thinking of the Dolphins, undefeated, undefeated NFL team. When you think of basketball teams, of course, the Bulls, Golden State. Right now, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they're setting a record right now. The Mets. There you go. Anybody going to say the Cardinals? Oh, it doesn't need to be said. Okay. And then you have the Yankees. Remember, I remember hearing about when I was a kid about Murderers Row on the Yankees. And that team was amazing. No pitcher wanted to go through them. It was just, they were unbelievable. They've won more uh, baseball championships than anybody. So there's teams. There's hockey teams. Great hockey teams. Of course, You know who can forget Al Michaels' famous line? Do you believe in miracles? I know where I was, guys. I know where I'm old enough to know where I was when Kennedy was shot, when Reagan was shot, and when we won in the Olympics, when we beat the Russians. I remember those; uh, they stand out to me. And so there's there's these famous teams. Do you have a team? That's what I want to ask you this morning. Do you have a team? Teams are important. Teams are very important if you're gonna if you're gonna make it in life. Everybody needs a team. You think about a, a great athlete and you, you you look at look at them, male or female, and guess what you're gonna find around them some in some way? A team, aren't you? If I say Michael Jordan, don't you think about Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Yeah, you think about all those guys. You think about Bob Gibson, you think about all those other players? eight other players on the field. You know, I mean, Bob couldn't have done that by himself. He had to have help. When you think about John Elway, here's this guy that's been on the Denver Broncos forever, and the last two seasons of his career, he wins back-to-back Super Bowls, one of them beating my beloved Packers. Ooh. But you know what? You look at that and go, he finally got... You know, Darren Sharper. He got some of these other players. And some of you are better Denver fans than I'll ever be. I mean, it's like, it was magical. It was magical. I was happy for John Elway. I was happy for Peyton Manning, too, this year. But I, I, I got I, you just notice this. Wayne Gretzky, perhaps the greatest hockey player that ever drew a breath, would say he couldn't do it without his team. He needed a team. Everybody needs a team. You know, even athletes, if you think of an athlete that is that does things by himself, a golfer, a tennis player, a race car driver, Dale Earnhardt. You know, you think of Serena Williams, um, Tiger Woods, or whoever you think of, you know, whether you like them or not. You, you know, when you talk to them or you listen to them give a speech and they've won something like a championship or something, you know, Michael Jordan once said, a good player will win you games, but it's a good team that wins you championships. But you ask these guys, these loners, boxers, Ali, Tyson, and they'll say things like, you listen, you find these quotes on famousquotes.com or they'll say things like, I want to thank my coach or my trainer. Or my parents. And they always, they it seems like they always say without exception, but most of all, I want to thank my teammates. Because without them, I couldn't have got here. Teams. Teams. You know, God understands teams. He understands you need to be on a team. He understands teamwork and team spirit. How important it is to be on a team. You know, you look at Genesis chapter two, and uh, when He made man, look what the Bible says here. It says, "I see that it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion he needs." That's important to remember. I'm going to make. How did God solve the first problem on earth with team, with relationship? I've always used this. Used this in in weddings. How does God serve to solve the first problem he gives a wife? But really what God's doing is he's providing a companion to bring out the best in Adam. He's providing somebody that can pat him on the back, and sometimes he might have to kick him in the pants. It's a, it's a, person, it's a person that is just right for him. Because... Like a good team that's synchronized, and we saw some of that yesterday. I mean, Gary Spurgeon's team was—we called us ourselves the awkward squad. It was bad, but then you got some of these guys. I mean, Alton High is running plays. He's coming down the court. Go on, and he's—I'm like, they're calling plays. What are they doing? They're—they're you know, they're a team. They're synchronized. I was asking at halftime they were playing the buckets, which was. Years ago, Alton Heights, I said, what's going on? And one of them goes, yeah, what's going on? How come we're losing? And someone goes, I think they're younger. And I go, what? You're like three or four years old? What? But someone said, well, they practice every day, and they've got a coach. And we haven't been, pra- I remember, you know, am I right, Kevin? We are sitting over there talking, and we're like, well, they practice every day, and we haven't been practicing every day. And, and they, they've got a coach, and they've got plays, and we're toast. Team. Team. We need. We, we were created. You and I are created. God created us with the need of relationships, and we need a good team of people and good network of people around us. Or if we don't have it, we're, we're in trouble. We're alone. Don't forget that word. Alone. Look, look what God says. You know, he understands it, and He wants us to be on a winning team. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twenty. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fool suffers harm. Now what's he saying here? I get the impression it matters who I'm going to have as a teammate. And Wayne Gretzky said, it's, he calls this concept the power of who. He says you've got you've to really be careful who you choose to be on your team, your network of close friends. I mean, look at all the great women, men and women in the Bible, and you, you can't help but notice they all had somebody or a group of people around them. Even Queen Esther, who seems to be all by herself, has an uncle named Mordecai that says, Hey, may, maybe it's for such a time as this. You've been born to save Israel. And just that reminder gives her the courage to trust God and speak up before Xerxes. Now, of course you got Jesus... And the twelve, you know, I've often wondered about this. I thought, did Jesus need anybody? Did He just need, didn't He just need His Father in a relationship with God? Isn't that all you need? Well, Jesus modeled, no, you need more. You need people. You need a, a team, a network of people in your life. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this assignment down. I'd like you to write down, you know, the assignment is, find all the friends of Paul, the Apostle Paul. And you find them mentioned in the end of a lot of his letters. And there are like all kinds of guys. Let me name a few. Titus, Timothy, Tychicus, Trophimus. I I call them Paul's team men, you know. But then there's Aristarchus and a host of others. And they're all helping him. In some shape or form, they're just, they're, they're helping him grow and change and mature. Now what I want to do is I want to break down a passage this morning that we've broke, we have bre- broke this passage down many times here at Greater Alton. But I got to tell you, I can't find a better passage that describes teamwork. And it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And Solomon, the wisest man on this earth next to Jesus, the wisest man that are walked on this earth, says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one keep warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken I want you to see something here before we get into the benefits of a team And I want you to see what Solomon is telling us here and he's telling us something interesting he wants us to understand that the people you put around you need to be people that can help you up keep you warm and fight well just because you have someone that goes to church, or or claims to be a Christian in your network of friends, doesn't mean they're the kind of people who are going to help you. I mean, I, I, I do I have to say that that pagans are not the best friends. Your be- should not be your best friends if you're a Christian. I hope I don't even have to say that. We should make friends with people who don't know the Lord, so we can bring them to God. Of course. But I'm just noticing this passage that there's, there's a person in this passage that you kind of miss sometimes. It's the person that, that can help somebody up, that can help somebody stay warm, and that can fight well. And I want to just throw out to you this morning, when we talk about the benefits of a team, of teammates, look at the people you have around you closely. The power of who is at stake. Cause if, guys, I heard somebody say you can't soar like an eagle when you're hanging out with the buzzards. And it, and I'll just, I'll be honest with you. There's times when with Christians, I look at Christians and we get around Christians, but they're really not, they're not really gonna help you that much. Some of these Christians, you need to look at their lives closely. Make sure they can help you. Now with that said, you're better when you're on a team. On a good team. What are the benefits, Tim? Well, let's look at these. Let's break them down. The first one is, I need teammates because my teammates can help me succeed. They help me succeed. It says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Don't you love it when the passage just tells you what the point is? i got a question I want to ask you this morning. It's a simple question. Where could you use some victory? Where could you use... Some success. Where would you like to put something that you've been dealing with in the win column? Is it something financial? I just like to be able to get, I can manage my money where I, you know, it seems like I'm trying to meet both ends and I lose track of one end. I just love to be able to make it work. Or maybe it's not financial, maybe it's some relationship with your family, with a friend, with another Christian. You know, you say, you know, Tim, I just feel like I, I'm trying, but I don't seem like I'm getting anywhere. And I seem like I'm always losing. And I, want to, I would love to have some success in remedying this relationship and restoring or reconciling this relationship. Or maybe it's something like, you know, what I need to win in, Tim, is I just feel like i got this stronghold, this addiction, This, this thing that just seems to dominate my life and it's in, and I'm just losing all the time. I'm coming up short. I would love to have a win in that column. I'd love to finally get some victory for a change. Is that where you need it? Or maybe it's something in your character. You know, when I'm watching the basketball yesterday, I'd watch somebody shoot and the ball would go over the backboard like six feet and they're, and they're running down the court going, Why am I having trouble? It's just like we're trying to adjust in here. The carpet makes the ball bounce differently, and everybody's just so excited they're throwing the ball six feet above the backboard. Maybe you feel that way. You're going, you know, Tim, I, i got stuff about me. I just can't stand it. I go, man, why do I say that? What was I thinking? Why do I do that? I wish I could change that. I'd love to have a W in that category. When you have a team of people around you, you can succeed. That's what the Bible says there. Two people are better off. I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you think two heads are better than one? Would that, is that a true statement? I, it depends on the heads, Tim. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, blind lead the blind. That's in trouble. Yeah, I get that. But two heads can be better than one. Uh, is there strength in numbers? Would you agree with that? I think, it, and, and the Bible says this. It says this says plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Somehow, when I have a team of people around me, I get this incredible edge on life that I don't get when I'm going at it alone. I think this is one of the reasons Jesus built his church on this planet that he established his church he knew that we needed relationships he knew we needed some te- a team a pool of people a network of, of relationships that would help us be better there are just some things I can't do alone, I can't succeed doing alone, there are things that you cannot succeed and will never succeed doing alone you're going to need help folks And so Jesus looks at you and I and goes, I gotta help these. I gotta help Tim and everybody else. How do I do this? I know what I'll do. I'll bring my church. I'll bring a group of believers together and that will supply the help he needs. That will give him that edge, that spiritual edge that he doesn't have by himself. Do you have a team? Do you have a network of people? Are they bringing you success? Because that's the one of the benefits of being of having teammates. Number two, I need teammates because my teammates can help me rebound. (laughs) We need to work on that, Gary. Yeah, we we need to work on this rebounding. I guess you know it's 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 sad. I'm watching. I'm down here. I am. I'm six four, and my team has went down the court. And I, am so tuckered out, I can barely do, I walk to the other side. More like it's more like sachet. That's sachet. Yeah. I kind of, and before I could get down to the already shooting, I'm going, there's nobody there to rebound. That's because I'm not down there. I'm the one of the tallest guys on the team, and I'm just not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I mean, I've got my excuses. Okay? But I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And you know what's great is when you have a, a group of people around you, they help you rebound. Guys, you're going to miss some shots in life. You're, you're going to foul out sometimes. You're, you're, you're going to fail. You're going to get defeated. The first two minutes of, of Gary Spurgeon against who did we play first? Yeah, that's what I thought. Thanks for reminding me, Mike. That's his team. 11 to nothing. It was eleven to nothing. I had never been more ashamed. And then I find out he tells them, "Time out. Let's ease up on these guys a little bit." You know, you're gonna. We got beat. We got beat. Uh, You're gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna blow it. You're gonna have a setback. How do you recover? How does one rebound? After they've missed a the shot. Look what it says here. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. How do I rebound? How do I bounce back after having a setback? Because we're going to have them. We're going to have them. And I don't want to be alone when that happens. Because if I'm alone when that happens, I'm in real trouble. Right? So how do I bounce back? How do I bounce back? I mean, here's a proverb here. It says in 24, Proverbs 24:16, 24, For though a righteous man falls seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. What I notice is, is while one rebounds, the other one melts down. What's, what's the difference? Well, he's a righteous man. It's his relationship with God. See, there's, boy, we read too much sometimes in the Bible, and I don't mean to stretch a scripture or two here. I, really, I want to get it right. But do we believe it's just my relationship with God that all I need? There's a lot of people believe all I have to have is a relationship with God. And my relationship with other Christians, well, they can go sideways. So what? I've got a relationship with God. But when I read my Bible and I I realize that there's more verses than just this one, this isn't saying he grabs himself up by his own bootstraps. I think he's saying, here's a guy that's 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 walking with God and the will of God it is the will of God that we have people in our life we, we, we realize that in Genesis 2 Or it's not good for a man to be alone but that's well life sucks sorry Adam no he goes I'm going to give you somebody to help you I mean Adam walked with God and he had help walking with God so what makes this righteous man get up is it possible what helps him get back up is he has teammates to catch him Right over here there 's a spot, and i 'm surprised there wasn 't a chalk line of a body where I got broken half. I got the butter knocked out of me right over here. Oh my goodness, this guy come in and broke me in half i've got i 'm bruised right here okay, and i couldn 't you know somebody says tim you okay you okay and i 'm going i 'm trying to get my breath okay and he and Mike's trying. Mike kept my grip, told me, let me help you up. And I'm going, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, something hurts. Hold on, give me a second here. You know, I'm thinking I'm 18. I'm not 18. It takes longer for an old man to get up off the floor. And I finally get up off the floor, and I sit down. And I and I realize I needed help. I needed help. I get knocked down. if you okay, Tim? Everything going to be all right? You need to get that checked out? You know, I appreciated all that. You know, I wanted to come back and play. I was done. Like Forrest Gump, my basketball playing days were over, you know. So I sat and watched the rest of everybody have a good time. But you know, when, when, I, all I know is that, is that when you get knocked down, there was people there. What I'm trying to say is there were, there were teammates there trying to catch me, trying to take care of me. We need that. You need that. And a good team provides that. Look at look what the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians. Look at what Paul says. We often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. Do you see a word that leaps out off the page? Off that screen? What's the word you notice that just jumps off the screen? We. Six times. Six times this word is we. Us. And six other times, it's we. Well, how, how, What is he saying? We go up and down together, Tim. I have a team of people, and when we suffer, guess what? We're not crushed. And when we, and, and we don't know what to do, we don't give up. Why is that? Because God is with us. That's why, is your team made up of people that God is with? Because if you have someone like that, you have people like that in your life. You'll have success, and they'll help you get back up. How many? And he's talking about getting knocked down so many times. When we're knocked down, we're able to get right back up. In Galatians 6, it says this. Help each other with your troubles. When you do this, you truly obey the law of Christ. It's part of what God wants, what Jesus wants, is to help each other with our troubles. I get together Every week i've got three different groups of people I get together with, and man, you talk about a contrast every Wednesday morning, I get with Alan and Gary. The three of us get together and we talk about things we pray together where you know everybody probably some people out here I, you probably think we're just good old boys, and we kind of overlook each other's stuff. I want to reassure you I want to assure you it ain't working like that, folks, not in our group. We don't give each other a pass. Gary, am I... I mean, here in the last few weeks, man, it seems like one of us is on the anvil at any given time. The other two are going, wait a second, I need to talk to you about something. What is it? We're just noticing this. You know, this week, I listened to Alan come into our group and just plop down and say, look, tell me what to do. I go, What? Tell me what to do. I don't know if you guys realize the significance of that. We've not always been a church that had leadership, that had leaders that would say, at the top, tell me what to do. In fact, I remember days when if you tried to tell somebody to do something, they would fight you. And Alan's going, just tell me what to do. And I'll do it. I'll just do it. So what did Gary and I do? We tell him what to do. (laughs) We get the Scriptures out. We get the Scriptures out and we go, Alan, I guess it's your turn. You're on the anvil today. Here's what you need to be doing. Bam, 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 bam. He goes, "Send me those scriptures, would you?" And I love it because you know, as we're talking, and by the way, guys, you know, you don't want leaders, you don't want leaders weak, right? Whenever you say, "I don't know, I don't know. I can't make up my mind," you want them to have some confidence, okay? But you want them to have some humility. And it's so refreshing when we look at the Word of God. It's like settles the score. I mean, during the game uh, on Saturdays, if we have a dispute, we settle it with a coin. During our elders' meeting, we settle it with the Word of God. What's the Bible say? Right. And to watch, I watch my brothers, Alan or Gary, I hope they see this with me. When you pull out a scripture and you read it, and you're, and you know, and by the way, I've said this before you, to you before, and I'm going to say it again. We're learning to turn the cards over like this. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I have. I turn them over sometimes like this. Boom! And I remember saying to Alan one time, I'm sorry for turning that card over like that. And he goes, I'd appreciate it if you'd be a little gentler. I get it. I, and, and I'm just telling you that is that? That is our environment between our elders we have um, we've come a long way folks we've come a long way I get, I get with a group uh, on Wednesday nights and it's made up of, of some of our leaders of our discipleship groups Sue, Cress, Chris and Debbie Weiler you know um, uh, Janet Bader and Denise and I and we get together, and it's a different. It's different. We're we're t- we're helping each other. We're we're talking about stuff and 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 trying to equip people. We try to do that. Um, every once in a while, there might be something like, you know, uh, Sue's father on the ventilator. She starts crying this this week, and we're like, okay, let's set everything aside here and let's just encourage Sue. And she's praying. She's praying. We're praying for her. Her father is taking off the ventilator. He has a DNR. He has a do not resuscitate. Is the last time they're pulling him off, and if he doesn't make it, they're going to let him go. And she tells me this morning, he's doing good. He's doing good. Something's going on. I mean, that's good. And then I got my group of guys I get together with on Tuesday night. Jim Shrimp, Don Yoder, Greg Chappell, Tom Tarantino, and my brother. We were at Lovett's this week. At Lovett's. At Peak Snoot. Um, And we sat there. and And, you know, there's times in our group we go, I don't know if it's a time we need to cover something in the book of Acts. How about we just do the book of Acts? And I listen. And, guys, in our group, we are dealing with topics like cancer, you know Jackie, right now, she don't want anybody to know this, but tough, and Jackie, if you hear me talking about you, tough, you're just going to get over it. I love you, but you know she's going she's losing weight, she's in the hospital, Tom is at her side constantly, and he comes he comes to group with that on his shoulders on his heart. we 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 talk about things like these are setbacks guys these are setbacks i've had a fallout with my neighbor i'm having trouble in my marriage i don't know what to do with my kids i don't know what to do with just life in general. I feel like i'm getting hit on all sides and and one time or another, all of us uh, with the exception of maybe one or two you know um don't show much emotion. You know, Jim will say, yeah. You know, Tim, you had me crying. You probably didn't notice it, but my tears tend to go in my eyes rather than come out. I go, Okay, I get it. I get it. But, you know, I said, Okay. Last week, I think last week, he said he almost sang. He almost sang. I said, Almost. Wow. <laughs> and why am I telling you this stuff? I'm trying to be careful because there is some confidentiality I know I'm going to breach here. And I'm. I can do that, but I, I just want you to say is that you know we have moments where people fall, they fail. You can't bet a thousand. You're going to strike out. You're going to miss a shot, and sometimes it's a teammate that says it's okay. You'll get another chance. It's okay. We're, we'll walk through this with you. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Do you have a team of people that you can say, "Hey, I, I messed up," and you can rebound? you see when, when we when we have when I have a team of people like that around me I am pleasing Christ I am doing what he wants it's something he wants me to do ok number three why do I need teammates because my teammates can help me improve they help me improve Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? You know, teammates help each other play better. They help each other be better. And they help you and I, our teammates help you and I generate things that we cannot generate on our own. They give us... That kind of help. Look at Proverbs up here on the screen. It says, "As iron sharpens iron, so people can improve each other." I want to. You know, I'll be the first to admit. I want to be the first to admit this. I don't have everything together. I have weaknesses and blind spots all over the place, and I need I need extra eyes because I can't see this way. And like life, there's things that I'm blind to, habits that I have that I don't recognize, and I need somebody to give me that honest feedback. I mean, do you have somebody in your life that will look you in the eye and tell you the truth? That's what you need. Good teams talk to each other. Why? And I'll tell you why. They bring out the best. When they talk to each other, the best is brought out of the other players so you can find all kinds of people that will tell you what you want to hear but do you have somebody that will tell you what you need to hear and by the way I want to make this clear this morning improving people is not about just about mostly about bashing them and correcting them at their every turn. Amen. I've learned, I'm trying to figure out why my sons are the way they are. I think I discipled them differently than a lot of people i worked with over the years. Because I've spent a lot of time encouraging them and building them up and complimenting them. I don't know, where do we get this idea if we compliment people, they'll get the big head. You know, I've, I've learned through the Scriptures and through experience they might get a big heart. And sometimes we just emotionally keep people at a certain level of maturity because they can't do anything right. And we think, oh, discipling is when you've got to... And by the way, I, I believe discipling includes correction. But it also includes encouragement and affirmation and, and, and a compliment. Yeah, a compliment? Yeah! You're doing a good job. You did that right. Denise has taught me this. She wants to get the best out of me. She doesn't say, well, that was wrong. You know what she says to me? You know, when you do it like this, it's so much better. She has corrected me and encouraged me and built me up at the same time. I'm I'm just saying, church, you know, I'm just talking here okay good teams help us grow they help us improve and if I'm not improving it may be the teammates I have are too critical or maybe I'm stubborn one of the two (laughs) because sometimes I do need a kick in the pants not a pat on the back I get that but I know this when teams talk to one another and they play together and they praise each other how how good is a timely word the Bible says it's like medicine. Sometimes a positive statement is as effective as a negative one. Let me read this passage here in Romans one. I found this yesterday, um, putting some finishing touches, or two days ago. I thought this was an interesting verse. Look, look at Paul's attitude. Both of us need help. We never outgrow needing help. That's what I learned from him, sir. He says, both of us need help. I can make your faith strong, and you can do the same for me. We need each other. What's he saying to this church in Rome? We're on the same team. And I want you to know it's give and take. It's not always me telling you what to do. But sometimes you would have to come into a meeting like Alan and go, just tell me what to do. We help each other. He says, "I need it, and you need it. We're on the same team." Look at this passage in Ephesians four. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and notice it says, "As each part does its own special work, what happens? It helps the other parts grow." See, you you if you're in a discipleship group, it's not about you being just being. A student that's there to, to soak up everything from everybody else, you bring something to the group, the, dyna- the dynamic of the group, that helps others. We help each other. We, we, I'm able to be improved, I'm able to help others improve. It says, "So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If there's anything I 'm after, more than ever here at Greater Alton, is health is a healthy church. Because it'll grow. It'll grow. I want you to make a commitment this morning. Every member here. I'm going to focus on being a healthy Christian. Being what God wants me to be. Being spiritually fit. Because if you'll do that, you'll help me grow. You'll help the people sitting next to you, front right of you, behind you, you'll help them all grow as you bring your own special talent and ability and work to the team so because, you know, I need teammates because they help me they improve me they help me grow they give me success they help me rebound when I've had a setback and, and then they are able to help me improve but let me give you a fourth one here and that is I need teammates because my teammates help me develop resilience I for the life of me have been asking why am I still here Why am I still standing? Some of you members here have been here since the old days. Why in the heck are you still here? How is it possible? You've seen people come and go, right? Why are you still here? I'll tell you why. You've got some teammates somehow. Your teammates are keeping you here. Well, it should be about Christ. Set that aside a minute. I'm saying to you, your teammates are about Christ. It's the will of Christ to have teammates. It's the will of God; He designed it from the beginning. Do I have to go through that again? And your teammates help you stick to it. They help you persevere. Look what He says here: Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. If I, if, if, guys, if, when I'm weak. I need to get myself connected to someone who's stronger. Why? Because when I connect myself to strong Christians, I'm unbreakable. I'm unbreakable. In World War II, if you remember uh, from your history, some of you from your history, most of you from your history, we were fighting the war on two fronts. We were fighting Germany In Europe and fighting the Japanese in the Pacific. The Pacific Theater. Some of you probably can remember in history class when they talked about the Philippines finally falling to the Japanese. And Wake Island falling to the Japanese. Leyte. All these other, these coral sea, all these coral islands falling and they were capturing American soldiers by the thousands. And there's a little little story about a march called the March to Bataan. And we find out in that, uh, the, the Japanese marched the Allied soldiers 140 miles in the tropics. Over 10,000 soldiers die on this march. But did you know not one single Marine perished? Not one Marine Died during this march. What's the, what's the difference? They, they, they're noticing, they noticed this. They did a study on this. They're looking at this going, how is it possible? The Army were losing in, in, in POW, 31% of the captors died. But the Marines was so much lower. Why? Why is that possible? Some said, well, it may have something to do with boot camp. Because in the boot camp, the Marines are taught, and correct me if I'm wrong, fellow Marines. Or oh, fellow Marines. Marines. I'm not a Marine. I'll make that clear. I'm not even close to being a Marine. I can't even say oorah, correct. Okay, anyway, correct me if I'm wrong. In boot camp, you're taught Marines never surrender. And you never leave a Marine. That's what I understand. They were taught that in boot camp. And when you start reading stories about how the Marines survived the POW camps and the death march and all this, you find there are stories like a guy by the name of Major James Devereaux, who was a POW, who insisted that his men, his Marines, he got them all together and says, Listen, fellas, and this is what he said to them. He said, We are a unit and we are a group. Don't ever forget that. And they started this thing that we now know as the buddy system. We go to the swimming pool. You got your buddy. You go on a hike. You got your buddy. You play on a basketball team, on Gary Spurgeon's team. You got your... Well, I don't fit. Sorry, Gary. But, you know, the need for a buddy. And and you read these stories where these guys in these POW camps, they said the way we're going to defeat these Japanese, we're going to defeat our enemy by surviving. We're not going to give them the satisfaction of dying. And so they paired up in buddies. And they would help each other. If a buddy got sick, the other guy would pitch in. He'd find medicine or he'd find food. He would go without so the other one would have something to eat. There's a a story about a corporal who, on his birthday, his buddies got him a piece of bread and some sugar on it, and that was his cake for that day. And he said, it was that that got me through the war. Power of a team gives us resilience. And if you look at the Scriptures, in Hebrews 12 it says this, We have around us many people whose lives tell us what faith means. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. He's saying, let's run with perseverance and resilience. And we'll, let me tell you what will help you. You have a great cloud of witnesses. You have a, a great uh, army of other people in your life that you can go to that show you how you can make it, that did finish this race. They're in the Old Testament. Guys, some of, you, some of the people you ought to have on your team. Some of you here need to have Moses on your team. Or Daniel on your team. You ought to hang on these guys' words. Or David. That's a guy I got on my team. Well, where's he at, Tim? He's in here. And to read his, his quiet time journal, to see what he went through, he teaches me how to hang on. The reason I'm such, I am such was such a young baby Christian, a, young, a new bird, a young bird, I've become an old crusty bird in the kingdom, is because I've had men like that in the Bible. I read them, I look, I study them, I want to be like them. And not only do I have a great cloud of witnesses that are dead and gone and left something behind, but I have them even here. They're even here. And just when I'm ready to go, I think I'll quit. I get with James Lampley every Monday morning at McDonald's in Godfrey. And we talk about, we talk each other out of moving every Monday morning. Out of quitting. I think I'm done. No, you're not. Let me tell you why. Let's pray about this. Here, have another cup of coffee. And guys, I'm just telling you that you need a team to kind of remind you to, to keep you motivated you need that encouragement and you've got to find it see what i noticed uh, let me let me say one i'm gonna, i'm finishing up right here i was reading this this morning there are last month uh the, the olympics decided who was going to go run the marathon uh in the ladies marathon in the women's marathon it was decided just last month and they happened to be teammates. One finished first and the other one finished third. Now, for most of the race, they were first and second. They were first and second. Amy Craig and, and uh, Shalane Flanagan were running together. They were ASU students together, and they're running together. 26 miles. They've had the lead most of the time. When Amy looks over, she says she looks over at her friend, and she can tell her face is getting strawberry red. She's starting to lose gas. And so she starts talking to her. Hey, we're going to the next, look, there's the station up here. Get some water. Come on, we got to make it. She purposely slows her pace down, letting the runners catch up a little bit. Come on, you can do this. We just got to get to the next station. They get some water. He goes, I don't think I can do this, Amy. I think I'm about. Don't you? You're not done. You're not done. Come on, one more foot. Come on, keep going. Look, right. Let's get up to this street. Get up to this street. Now, look. There's the station. There. We're gonna make it. We keep going. And and this woman, these two women talk about how they encouraged each other the whole time. And and last year. They got beat out of going to the, uh, last time they got beat out of going to the Olympics. This time they're, they're on the team. There's something powerful about hearing constantly we need to hear. Hey, you're gonna, you're gonna make it. You're gonna be okay. Don't hold, you know, just look, just look up ahead. Don't look too far. Just up here. Just get to here. Just get to here. One, one more. Let's pray one more time. You know, let's look at one more Bible verse. You're gonna be okay. God loves you. Sometimes I need to hear that. You know, God loves you, Tim. Sometimes I, I, I forget. And I, st- I want to quit. You ever want to do that? I'm just saying, do you have a team? Do you have a network of, of men or women, men and women, that are faithful to God, that are along your side, that will encourage you along the way? You need that if you're going to succeed if you're going to rebound if you're going to improve if you're going to finish the race I want you to look at your notes one last time uh, well I don't know if you, you don't have it on your notes you don't have it on your notes could you put up Ecclesiastes again I want you to notice something there's a word that jumps off the page when I read it and it And it's the that's okay. Forget it. It's the word alone. Alone. It's on there three times. Alone. He's if he falls alone, and there's no one there to help him, he's in real trouble. If, If if he's alone, he can't get warm. If he's alone, he'll be defeated. And see, this is where. You say, Well what's this what's this lesson about Tim? Well it's time for you to make up your mind because you can decide to go at it alone or with a teammate. I want to say to you, married couples, you need more than your spouse as a teammate. He says, Add a third and you're stronger. He's saying, Recruit. Get Get more people in your... Because I'll tell you what happens. I've been married long enough to know. Sometimes things between you and your spouse go sour. Who are you going to talk to then? You want somebody to help you come to your senses. You want somebody to put you back on track. You want somebody to level with you. I'm just saying to you, you know, the good news to me this morning is, as we start this series... Because God doesn't want you to be alone. You don't have to do anything alone again. You can have God's help. And you can get that help with a team. So I want to encourage you to do two things. I want to challenge you to do two things. One, if you're not a part of a small group, why? Get in a group. If you're not part of a, a small group, why have you not made that commitment yet get in a small group if you're, by the way, if you're in a small group quit dilly-dallying around and showing up every once in a while Amen to that. give yourself to that group and I'm not saying, oh, what do you mean I've got to be there every Tuesday you've got to be there every day you, you, know, you want to you incorporate them in your life it's not Tuesdays is good enough. Come on. Wednesdays is good enough. Come on. Well I saw him church on Sunday, there was something the other side of the auditorium. I waved. That's not what we're talking about. So first, I want to challenge those of you, those of you who are not in a small group. You're in trouble if, you're not in a, if, you're, if you don't have a network of people around you. And I want to encourage you, get in a group. If you're in a group, be in the group. the second challenge you say well you just gave us two no really one Here's 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 the second one if you know somebody's not in a group invite them in your group recruit add a third why well it'll be good for them is that what you're saying it'll be good for you too it'll be good for you too because we all need a team that's it You've got a card in your bulletin, and um, it's a response card. Maybe there's a decision you'd, you'd like to make this morning. Why not write something? I, you know, I'm not saying you have to give your whole life story, but maybe you ought to, you know, make a decision. I'm going to quit straddling the fence. I'm, I'm getting in a group. Help me find a group. If you know somebody, talk to them. See if they'll let you be in their group. If you know somebody needs, maybe you need, maybe your commitment ought to be, I need to get somebody in this group and I know somebody right now. I'd like to start work, one work toward it. You may not talk them into it today or tomorrow, but start working toward that. Is there something you're dealing with alone? Why not ask your teammates that pray for you to pray for you? Take advantage of that prayer team. God wants you to have a good team and pray, I pray that you'll start, you'll be challenged by this and you'll pursue that, okay? Uh, Again, next Saturday, we're going to be here at nine o'clock with some crazy basketball. I, I want you to know it is entertaining. It is entertaining. Um, what I found very exciting was, was some of our members, um, some of the guests that came this Saturday walked away saying, "Man, your church is really nice and kind." And guys, if you don't play, there's there's a reason to come right there, just to be nice and kind to people, all right? Because on this basketball court, there needs to be a little more kindness. Okay, let's let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for your word, its power, Lord. Father, um, let us, Father. Let us see and understand the power of who. Father, I know I can have all kinds of people around me, but they not, may not be the ones that really can help me. I pray, Father, that two things will occur in my life. That I'll be a better team player, letting others help me, letting others in my life. That also be a better team player in being stronger and helping others and encouraging others. Father, help us this week. As we leave this our home field advantage of being together this morning, as we go beyond the baseline out into our community, Father, help us be like your son Jesus, help people see, help us show your Son Jesus, remind us of your Holy Spirit when those moments occur and Father, um, I pray for those of us here, especially those of us here that have right now experiencing a setback, a failure. A defeat, a, just a, a trouble, Lord. That that the rest of us, the rest of us will will be sensitive to that, Father, and carry, help carry those burdens. Um, use us, Father, maneuver us to the right people, so we can help carry each other's burdens, because we want to please you and fulfill your desires. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.